Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a Yes, You Can podcast. My name is Hannah. And I'm going to be taking you through uh, this episode. I just started laughing like immediately because I almost forgot the name. <laughs> I was just listening to another podcast and was about to say the name of that podcast instead of my own. Um, so you can say things are going pretty well. I'm <laughs> sorry. I have to. This is so funny. Every time I start, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be really professional this time. I'm going to, you know, like have all these points I want to get across right in the first 10 seconds and the first 20 seconds. And it just never works out like for one reason or another. I'm just not there yet. And maybe I'll never be. I've had people say that they really enjoy when I'm like laughing at myself (laughs) in this room. So uh, here you go. Right off the hop. (laughs) I mean, I have a terrible, I do have a terrible memory. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm like, I feel like I've been trying in recent years to like figure out foods I can eat and little like mind games I'm supposed to be playing, like good mind games, not, you know, negative ones or toxic ones, but like ones with myself where to remember things. But honestly, I feel like my mind is only holds so much information like it does. And there's other things in there, like more serious reasons, I think for memory loss, um, stemming from like PTSD and like having, going through a bit of trauma and all that sort of stuff. But like generally I just am absolutely atrocious with remembering people's names. I have an amazing thing for faces. I like, I, I've had a bajillion different weird jobs in my life and, you know, stemming from like either like being a patient transporter at health sciences center or working at Fabutan or being a day camp counselor. And and working at Earl's and I can remember somebody's face and be like, I served you like six years ago. (laughs) I remember you ordered a Caesar with extra Worcestershire sauce or whatever. Um, or like they, somebody used to come to Fabutan all the time and I, but I, and I'll do like a triple take, but I will never remember their name. And I'm like, Hey, (laughs) like this recently happened where I was being served by someone and, and she's like, Hey Hannah, how's it going? I'm like, hi <laughs> you great to see you and I like I, I at the end I had to be like I'm so sorry I have no like I know I know you but I just can't remember like I can't place you and I can't remember your name and she was so gracious and so nice about it she's like we worked together for like more than a year at Earl's I'm like which Earl's was it because <laughs> I worked at two different locations she's like it was Main Street I'm like oh, okay cool 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 but anyways, remembering or not remembering my podcast, my own podcast name is a new, is a, is a new low for me in my memory journey. Um, yeah, so I might as well get on with this. Otherwise I'll forget what the fuck I'm here to talk about. <laughs> so it's been a busy few weeks for me. You've noticed, or maybe, uh, I mean, I have no idea if you've noticed or not, but you, you might've noticed that the frequency in which I've been recording and posting has gone down slightly. Um, And the reason for that is simply that my life has gotten way busier. And I think it's really important to, because this is like a fun endeavor for me, this isn't a business, this isn't like a money-making, you know, scheme or, or I haven't planned to monetize this in any way. Although I will be doing a quick little, uh, shout out to some, somebody who has been supporting me with a few different things and, and talk about that, like kind of weave within the episode coming up, um, this isn't this isn't like a, a a project that I'm trying to make money off of. And I think it's really, really important to do these types of things, to have these hobbies where there is no pressure, there is nothing driving it other than your own unabashed enthusiasm and joy. And so the minute I start thinking about 
you know, uh, keeping to a schedule or making sure that I'm recording a week in advance so that I can post the next week. It's just not going to be fun for me anymore. I already have a fucked up schedule where I am, I am scheduling like literally every minute of my day. And so to add something else to my plate, that's, that's going to be not fun because of the amount I'm doing it is, or the, the expectations I've placed on myself. Cause nobody else is, you know, I've got a few messages from you guys who are like, when is the next episode coming out, <laughs> which feels amazing, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit down and record something that I'm not standing behind in terms of like the content or I don't feel like it's, it's fun. And I'm, and I'm actually putting something out there just for the sake of putting something out there. As I think I talked a little bit about this in the last episode. Honestly, I, I fucking, as I said, I forget what I talk about. So <laughs> I have no idea if I did or not, honestly, but I'm pretty sure I mentioned it. And I think it's just the reason I'm saying this is is for two parts to like manage expectations on how many times these episodes are going to come out. I hope they're weekly. That's the plan. That would be lovely if I could make sure that I schedule it in and I'm feeling super enthusiastic and like I have something to say, but also for other people who are, were maybe looking for some inspiration and some fun in their life. I think doing something that's creative, that has literally no expectations and starting it out even if you plan to monetize it or make it a side hustle at some point, starting it out just for fun is such a game changer in terms of your mental health and just like feeling fulfilled because it's, it's a reality that work is just not always going to fulfill you. I was talking to, to somebody about this actually just online. I'm in part of this kind of uh, fan club group on Facebook for this episode. I've talked about a few times called girls got to eat and it's really cool. There's, I think that people just, join the Facebook group and and they talk to each other and they ask each other like life questions and get advice from one another. And I found I've, I've heard a lot of the same questions that people ask me, either students who ask me these questions or writers or whoever, um, about like not knowing if their job is the right one for them because it doesn't, it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be. And it's maybe, not as exciting and it's a lot of hard work and, and they just want to get them for them, but they also don't feel like they can quit because they're in their first few, you know, it's maybe their first job or second job and feeling like you're jumping around a little bit is not going to be the best show on your resume really like, like honestly. And somebody was asking like, should they stay in this job? They're a month in. And my advice was, you know, like if it's not fulfilling you, like not every job is going to be, the, the thing that fills your boots that you come home after every day and you're like, wow, that was amazing. Like honestly, jobs and and careers, even if you're fulfilled with them, even if you love them, there are a lot of hard fucking work and, and some days are more stressful than others. So I love that I have this outlet of spin that allows me to express myself. And even if I've had a, a really stressful day at work or whatever, I can come back to spin and, and it's, it bounces the other way too. Sometimes for whatever reason, I'm not feeling like I'm, I'm doing amazing as a motivator. Um, or I have a weird class and the next day work is amazing. And it's sort of like, it's just this way of like always balancing myself out where I, I don't have this one singular thing that's responsible for my happiness. It's, I mean, that's a metaphor for everything. One person, one relationship that should be responsible for your happiness. If you spread it out, somebody, one of my friends, uh, is, made this sort of comparison, which I thought was hilarious. He was like, yeah, it's like you're, you're spreading yourself out over these, all of these different things. It's like you're, and I'm like, yeah, if I, if I have 
one thing doesn't go well, then I have these other things to rely on. And it's my mental health isn't dependent on one thing. He's like, yeah, it's like you were like creating all these horcruxes. <laughs> so if anybody knows, like the dress collective is one spins another one. If anybody is a Harry Potter fan, um, anyways, I thought that was a, a super funny metaphor. I nobody's laughing cause I can't, there's nobody here to laugh with me about it, but it was funny. Um, so yeah, I, I think that like trying something and then like not placing any expectations on the results of it is super important, especially when you're a really driven person, especially when you are maybe in school and you're getting graded on other things or you have a job and like, or you have a relationship, like don't stop doing fun things, especially when you're in a relationship. I have a really great guest that I'm going to be interviewing this week. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to, nah. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> you can follow me at Hannah Rose Finn if you don't already. I mean, I if you don't follow me, I have no idea how you're getting this content. But I will announce who that is after we record. I'll maybe take a picture of us and then post it. And I'm interviewing them on Thursday night. And we'll be talking about relationships. We'll be talking about confidence, self-love. And that really leads me into what I'm talking about today. Um, this is a... This is an... A, an episode that is a little bit tough to be honest. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be as heavy as the first episode, but for me, it's a little bit tough. Just the way my mind is thinking right now, to be honest, I have, wow. It's really interesting when certain things are certain, certain things are hard to say. Really, really interesting. Um, I, let's start from the beginning about 10 years ago actually longer than 10 years ago. Holy fuck. Okay. 12 years ago, 12 years ago, I was finishing up playing for the college volleyball team that I was the captain of. Uh, I was, you know, we won everything and it was amazing. And I was an athlete and I've always been an athlete and I was looking for something to kind of take me. I was just like in the gym, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I didn't, I didn't really, have a plan when I'd go to the gym. I just sort of do things. I had, we had trainers who were training us for, you know, things like verticals, increasing our, our speed, all sports specific outcomes for, for the gym. It was never about like looking a certain way. And one day I went to, I think it was like seven love or something. And I picked up an oxygen magazine and it was this super gorgeous, um, it's funny that I actually remember the name of the person since I have such a terrible memory. Her name was Julie Marsland and she was on the cover of this magazine and she was so muscular and yet so feminine at the same time. And I was just like, man, that's what I want to look like. And I started reading it and went from like front cover to back page and just was so intrigued by the idea of getting into fitness and getting into like working out and different workouts for different body parts and things like that. And what to eat. Um, I had never been on any sort of diet, even for, even when I was playing volleyball, I never really thought about what I was eating. Like I'd, I remember I'd come home from practice and my mom would make me like my favorite meal, which was pork chops, like marinated in some sort of mushroom cream sauce with mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are like, honestly, one of my favorite foods and, and peas this is like a hefty meal for somebody who's playing a high level sport. And I, yeah, I was just really intrigued by, by learning how to eat for, for performance, but also how to eat on a diet and look a certain way. And 
I had like fluctuated with my weight in high school. I was always super, super thin and just like had no curves. And then in like grade 10, I think um, I, I just started like, I, I didn't notice at the time, but I just started gaining weight because I like hit puberty. And so I went from being really, really lean and like grade eight, grade nine to like actually, you know, having some curves and, and stuff in grade 10 and, and 11. And then grade 12, I actually started paying attention to sort of what I was eating and like stopped eating cookies for breakfast from the cafeteria, <laughs> like, and like full sugar Coke, like Coca-Cola, um, drinks and, you know, at all hours. And, and so it naturally sort of shed it off. And, but again, it was, it was just sort of, I was just eating for, for like, I didn't know what I was doing. There was no plan. I just was sort of like, stop eating bags of chips or stop eating whatever. And, and then and noticing results, like if there's no science, I didn't do any research into it whatsoever. And like, I mean, I can't even, I can't remember what the internet was like then, but Facebook came around like 2007. So that gives some context. Um, yeah. So I started thinking about doing, I didn't, I didn't know what a fitness competition was, but I had heard about one coming to Winnipeg and I decided to look up some trainers that I saw in the gym and I was dating somebody who had heard of these trainers and this person I was dating was a professional athlete. So he was doing two workouts a day and like, this was a completely natural thing for him to be doing, to be working out that much and to be kind of on a diet, but also trying to like eat to gain more. And I, yeah, he put me in touch with these trainers. And so I went and met with them and was like, I want to just like, I've never tried to make my body look a certain way. And I just want to see like what my highest potential could be in terms of like learning, like, like how to get abs or how to, you know, look a certain way or whatever. And so these trainers, um, who had no like formal education, but were really popular and were taking on a ton of clients took me on and I started on a 14 week program to, this was like February, I guess. So for eh, whatever time it was, 14 weeks from May, <laughs> it was the first competition was in May that I had done. And so I started training for this competition and was 14 weeks out. And I had never really, like, as I said, I was playing volleyball, but I wasn't, oh, maybe it was January, whatever. <laughs> it was a winter time sometime. And I, yeah, I had never really been in the gym before. So I started like this, these, this crazy workout regime where I was doing like 45 minutes to 60 minutes of cardio a day and eating 1400 calories a day, which is pretty low for my body type for, which is pretty low for, for me period, but definitely for a six foot tall person and doing, um, skin calipers and like fat percentage assessments and it became something I was truly excited about and truly um interested in because I had never felt like I had fully tried something without like and given it my hundred percent like even volleyball I was always good and I I tried really hard but I never like went the extra mile in terms of training in the gym or like going to like, you know, getting a trainer for myself or like, I just was always kind of good at it. And I did really, I worked super, super hard. I was always the first person to arrive, last person to leave, but just in terms of like taking it seriously as if like trying to make a university CIS team instead of college, I never went that far. And so I was really intrigued with how well I could do at this. 
And so I dove really right into it. Like I started, you know, making my own meals and cutting everything out that wasn't on the plan. Like sugar wasn't on the plan, obviously. So fruit was out. I could have half of an apple with my oatmeal in the morning. Um, and I could, you know, I obviously wasn't drinking. I think I had like a like cottage cheese, which I'd like blend up with my protein powder and <laughs> pretend like it was pudding. And when you're, when you're completely like, when you cut everything out, that's, that tastes really good. It, like the shitty stuff start to, to taste good. And I'd be like, it's just like pudding. My friends are like, it's absolutely not anything like pudding, but sure. Continue on with whatever <laughs> you're thinking. And, um, it's really hard not to, when you're training for a fitness competition, it's just, it's a fact you're, it's, it's a really hard not to become self-obsessed and a bit, uh, I would say narcissistic because your whole, everything that you're working towards, everything that you're doing is driving towards reducing your body fat and looking better. So you're constantly looking in the mirror. You're constantly evaluating yourself. You're constantly weighing yourself every day. You're getting your fat pinched by these calipers to assess your, your fat percentage, which I don't know. I don't think it's the best way of doing it, honestly. But again, I don't, I don't care now. And I was like really, really dedicated to this process. And finally the, I, I dropped a ton of weight. I dropped a ton of like my, they would take pictures every, every time and send them to me and, um, like for my assessments and, I saw like a definite improvement in all of my photos improvement being in terms of like how they would define improvement. And I did enjoy, I really enjoyed like feeling empowered at the gym. I loved going to the gym and like knowing what the equipment was and knowing how to use it and knowing how to, what, like having a plan. I think that really, I could have a little clipboard I'd bring around with me and I would tell my pre-workout It'd work out. It'd knock off an amazing workout and I leave. And there was no question whether I should have worked harder or not, because if it was on the plan, it was what I was supposed to be doing. So I didn't have to worry about, or, you know, feel badly about not working hard enough. Um, which is, is really only feeling that came afterwards after the competition was done. But so I approached the competition, I dropped a ton of weight. I was very, very, very lean and the competition itself, like, uh, it's so useless. It's like pointless to talk about. It. It's just such a weird. It's like a. It's basically the one I entered was was a bona fide sort of bikini competition with like a hint of of muscular appreciation. Like there was no height classes. I was against girls who were and women who were like five three. There was this weird costume portion of it, and it's just so funny to think back on and be like, wow, I spent time doing this and. But it felt like a worthwhile goal and it was something for me to shoot towards. So trainers like these ones that I had would, were going to push their clients to do it because it was, it was something that was forcing them to be a bit more like committed to the whole process. And then, uh, they'd have them hooked. I don't, I don't think they were doing this maliciously, but I, they definitely did not have the training, uh, as a diet, as a registered dietitian or a nutrition or even a nutritionist or, um, somebody who's graduated with a kinesiology degree do, would have to understand the human body and understand different bodies and what they should be each be having to, to drop weight or to become more healthy naturally. And, and without like, it's a crazy time frame in mind, because when you're working towards a goal, like especially one that's a fitness competition, you are trying to drop as much weight as possible. And while keeping muscle tones, a loose fat 
gain muscle. And then in the final week, the final like eight days, you're doing this weird thing where you're carb loading, you're like water like loading, and then you you cut your water and you up your carbs the day of, and then you can eat chocolate and red wine so that you become more vascular. It's this whole thing. I'm not I'm not even gonna get into it because it's so I like I just I'm not here to tell you how to do any of these things. And so if you want to learn more about fitness competitions, like you can Google them. I hope that you don't. Um, and this is a surprise. I'm not for them. I don't like them, (laughs) but I, I came out of this competition. I didn't win. I did even place. They only named top three. I think based on like the call outs, I would have gotten top five maybe, but it was surprising. I think we were surprised who won at the time. And there was like, Honestly, it's like, it's even think back, but it's so stupid. It's f- such bullshit. I, I don't even want to get into it, but it was just a, it was a poorly run organization and they, it was a definitely in retrospect, like a money grab and not something that was like sanctioned or was well run. And I think organizations, there's other ones out there that do a better job of it. Um, MABA is one that that's, that's pretty reputable and been, been around for a long time and they have like rules and regulations and it's just different. That's not the one that I competed in. And the one I did was, is no longer around, but afterwards I had gone through 14 weeks, which felt like a lot longer and that this time the volleyball season was over and I felt like my whole identity, like people at the gym knew me as kind of this like fitness chick now And my whole identity was sort of wrapped up in being that and being her. And to not place at this competition was, the only words I could use are devastating. I, my friend actually did did place and and, um, I think she was uh, top three and went on to compete and I was so, so happy for her. And it was, it was like, it wasn't that I wasn't happy for her and jealous or anything. I just, it was in my own outside of anybody else placing. It was the fact that I had put a hundred percent effort into something and failed was absolutely devastating. It wasn't that I wanted a medal. It wasn't that I wanted to go on and like, you know, go to the national competition or whatever for this particular one. It was just that I had put, finally decided to put a hundred percent effort into something and didn't achieve my goal. And I had always been the kind of like, you know, B plus a student, but never one that really hunkered down and actually studied through high school or university. Like I just, I knew I had so much untapped potential. And then, so to finally feel like I was tapping it and it still wasn't good enough was almost was way worse than, than not trying hard and never knowing if you're going to win or not. And out of this competition, I was so choked (laughs) that I just like, I took maybe a day off from dieting. I had like a celebratory meal or something like ate myself silly. And, and throughout this whole process, like there was something called cheat days where you could have a, a meal that was a cheat meal and that could be whatever you wanted for that one meal on that one day. And I, so I had like a cheat meal or something and went home and the next day I was back at the gym and I was like, I'm going to keep going. And my time with the trainers has sort of kind of dwindled to an end and they hadn't given me a plan on, on what to do after competition, what to do after a week of 
starving yourself from water and starving yourself from carbs and then shocking you with a bunch of carbs. There's no how to leave a competition and and become a normal human again plan. There was nothing. And I, I am in retrospect, so gobsmacked that somebody would take somebody else's like nutrition and and diet and uh, physical wellness into their own hands and with that level of responsibility and, and telling them like so prescriptively what to do and then just fucking drop them and say like, see ya, like good luck with whatever else you're doing. Isn't And so I was back at the gym, back to working out and I was like, I'm going to, I've heard of other people rebounding back into uh, you know, the, how they were before. And like, I can't, I couldn't even remember how to eat before. I couldn't even remember like what I ate during a day. And it was like, I was 20 times more motivated to continue on towards some undetermined goal, but maybe doing another competition and build muscle and just get more like more in shape and look better than I did even for the competition to almost like show everybody it's I that's the only way I can articulate I really don't know and I literally like think about this time in my life and I almost want to like get choked up for that that poor girl because I look back and I was in a relationship that wasn't meant to be but somewhere along somewhere along this journey um I was getting validation from this person because he was a professional athlete. And so the more weight that I dropped, the, the, it's like the more in love he became with me. And I had gone from being, you know, an athlete for sure, but not somebody who was like physically tiny or physically skinny and going from like the more validation I got from the external world, the more validation I got from Facebook because there was no Instagram, but Facebook likes and comments and for my photo shoot and from stage shots and things like that. And then people seeing me in real life and realizing and like seeing me that I hadn't like rebounded and this guy was more in love with me. And, uh, my mom and I were getting along. She was, she was a, a runner. And so she understood like the way I was working out and she was like inspired by my eating and tried to cut out certain things. She was always so like tiny. She really had nothing to like, she was so healthy. It was, it was not a, it wasn't, it wasn't a positive thing that I was influencing people in this way, but it felt positive. And I couldn't dream of not being, continuing to be that person. So I got a, through, through my, my ex-boyfriend again, I got linked up with this trainer who is, you know, a, uh, he has his PhD in kinesiology. He's a fantastic trainer. This is literally nothing against him. He gave me some really amazing workouts and talked to me about my goals in terms of what I wanted to achieve and how I wanted to look. And so I was, I was really wanting to be more functionally athletic and, and given his experience in training professional athletes, he brought in like a whole new level of working out where I was doing like plyometrics on a box that he built. And I was just doing like in my backyard and then, and a 90, like straddling that with a 90 minute cardio workout at the gym where I was on all these different machines and doing high intensity interval training. And then the next day would do really heavy weights and no cardio. And, 
it was this plan that was beyond anything I had experienced in my 14 weeks of training for this competition. Um, and at one point he said, you know, I should, I think we should probably get you in with a nutritionist because I don't think you're eating enough protein to sustain like your goals of, of wanting to build muscle and what we're trying to achieve. So I remember meeting with, um, this amazing nutritionist called, or <laughs> called her name is Jory Jansen and she was the nutritionist and I, I'm probably botching it. I'm, I'm going to say registered dietitian, um, for the Canadian women's national volleyball team. And her and I met and decided to start working together. And I, she started providing me plans and I was shocked because I saw milk, all these plans. I saw yogurt on these plans. I saw fruit and I the like, I had stopped eating any of that stuff. Even on my cheat meals, I was not eating. I was, I I wasn't using them. I'd eat like an extra bowl of oatmeal or something. And so in the months that had passed from the competition in May, I had started cutting out more meals in an attempt to support this process even more. And I would eat like a protein pancake in the morning of like my own sort of concoction of protein and oatmeal and egg whites and banana, like half banana mixed up and then like sugar-free maple syrup. And I could tell you, and like I started adding pumpkin cause it was really low calories, but would add a little bit of density to it. And then I would have a protein bar and, uh, a protein shake after my, my workout. And then at night I would have chicken and edamame beans. And that was my entire daily meal plan that I made myself and was probably no more than a thousand calories. I want to say keeping in mind, I was doing all these workouts that this new trainer had given me. And so when I met Jory and she started giving me these, these meal plans, I was, my system was shocked. My, my, I like, I didn't know I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified to start eating these foods again and what it was going to do to my body. And so we started having these meetings, you know, maybe once a month, um, in her home. And I think she knew like, uh, God, I like getting choked up. I think she knew what was happening with me before I knew. And she could see that I was really unhealthy and I had dropped more weight since the competition. I had gotten even thinner to the point where I was, you know, had lost my period. I, my hair was not growing or it was breaking off. My nails were brittle. I was cold all the time. I was so irritable. I had lost all focus on doing anything else besides working out. I, my school, my grades were failing. I was like, I think I failed a class this time. I honestly can't even remember. My memory started getting worse. Like, you know, talking about memory at the beginning of this episode. And like, that's, that's, that's something that happens when you withhold nutrition from your body. It starts to not function as quickly because it doesn't have the energy to do that. And my metabolism was like slowing down because my, my muscles were like being atrophied and just like, like they're being eaten by the, by my body trying to sustain itself. And I was so like, I didn't have any idea about like, I, I knew that I was terrified to eat food, but I was in control. And anybody who's experienced an eating disorder, newsflash, that's what this episode's about, um, uh, 
will will understand when I say control because you feel like you are out of all of the things that are happening in your life out of all of the 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 craziness and the you know my relationship that was I was starting to realize wasn't one I wanted to be in long term but in the midst of this he proposed to me and I said yes and that felt out of control and school which was not going well and volleyball which had ended and I didn't know how to transition out of that and I was working at Earl's and there was a lot of like physical validation out of all these other things the one thing I could control was what I was eating and how much I was working out and Jory who is literally like an angel had been working with my trainer for quite some time and they both sort of had like separate kind of interventions with me Jory was would sit and like I can't even I cannot even tell you how amazing she is as a person I remember I'd come over to her house to for a meeting that was supposed to maybe be like 45 minutes to talk about where we were at and you know where my weight was at and like what I was because my goals were to were were to increase my weight by (laughs) this is hilarious I was like I want to look like this girl and I, I showed her a picture and she's like okay so that person weighs 30 pounds more than you do and you can't see that you are 30 pounds less because I was like well I just need to like you know, do some more weights to get to that. And she's like, you, you'll never be able to get to that by not following my plan because I would, I would diarize what I was eating and, and show her. And she's like, you're not eating my plan. And I'd like, I can't eat, I can't drink milk. Like, I just can't do it. I I don't trust the process. I don't trust that it's going to, it's not going to make me blow up and like go back to where I was. And she would, like literally her she'd send her husband to like go do yard work I just remember him like mowing the lawn for like hours and we'd have these like hour like more than an hour long conversations like probably two hours conversations where she was basically my therapist and would talk to me and I remember her saying Hannah like first of all we're stopping using the word cheat foods are not inherently good or bad So you're not cheating by eating a certain food. You're not cheating on anything. There's treats that are maybe there to satisfy something else other than nutrition. But today, for instance, I had, like she's talking about herself. She's like, today I had, you know, cake because it was somebody's birthday at work. And I had a latte that had a little bit of whipped cream on it. And I had this. And it's just a day of what I was eating. And tomorrow I might eat a little bit cleaner and... And it'll balance itself out. But you're working out like two hours a day and refusing to eat any of these things. And you're like, you're the damage that you're doing to the, she said it in other words, because I don't think I was ready to hear it at the time. I just couldn't, I couldn't face what was happening to me. Like eating disorders really sneak up on you. They sneak up on you starting with perceptions about our bodies. They they sneak up by weaving themselves into our thoughts about how we see ourselves that we're not good enough. I remember looking at my hips and being like, I would love my body if my hips weren't like, I didn't have these like love handles and I didn't like, you know, have this, if I could just get liposuction on this, that then it'd be great. I remember saying this out loud to people 
And when I'm, when I was so thin, I was like, I, I wish I, I just wish I had boobs. Like so many people who do fitness competitions often will get breast implants because they've lost so much fat and it's, it's impossible to like maintain one of those things. And now I'm at a place, I'll get to like, you know, bring this to a present day, but now I'm in a place where I, I will never have the type of ass that is currently in style. And I, I was so struck by a documentary recently that I watched Miss Americana by Taylor Swift, where she talked about her own eating disorder. And she talked about how, you know, if you have this, then you don't have this. If you're as as thin as people want you to be, then you don't have an ass. And it's just all so impossible is what she said. And it is so impossible. And so Jory really sort of helped me start seeing this and I it was a really hard thing to come out of it was really really hard because I had to actively work to follow her plan knowing that that was going to make me gain weight that I I needed to have in my body just to have it like operating at a normal pace and and having a fat to actually sustain you know and like energy to sustain me during a day and get through a class without wanting to pass out um and improve my moods because holy fuck was I a bitch when I was on this when I was I mean I was like god bless my family because I was just a pill I was an absolute pill and they knew they knew like if I had a cheat day or whatever I would be eating different things than than when I was not. And for some, some reason when I, after the competition ended and I started cutting my calories so, so like much further, I would then binge like crazy on my cheat days. Previously I wasn't using them. And then when I started kind of on my own path, I would binge to the point where I make myself sick and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like binge and purge. Like there's, there's, um, I, I wasn't, diagnosis having bulimia I would never do that intentionally but I, w- I would just eat myself to the point where I could not have anything else my body my body was so not used to you know that it was like I was punishing it by withholding the calories and then I was punishing it by eating all the things I was craving and, and wanted and then I'd punish it the next day by waking up and and running for two hours and it's this like realization that I was punishing myself because I didn't do well in the competition. And I was like, you're never going to be good enough. Like you're not good enough to, you weren't good enough to win. So we're going to withhold calories from ourselves. And then we're going to fucking overload yourself with calories. And then we're going to do it all over again in this cycle. And it's just, there was not enough time in the day because I was working out so much. And there was not time in the day to see my friends. And when I went out to see my friends, I couldn't eat what they were eating I would have one glass of wine and be completely wasted. Um, I couldn't go to the movies or I I went to the movies. I couldn't have popcorn, but it was all around me. I just felt like I couldn't do any, have any social situation where there was food. And it was frustrating because it's frustrating for people around me because they're just like, why can't you eat this? And before I had the excuse of having this fitness competition and afterwards, it was really just because it's not on my meal plan. Like there was no, I had, I would just try and avoid talking about food. I just trying to like not put myself in situations where there was food. And for my relationship, that was hard because we like, you know, there'd be Easter or something. And I'd, I'd try and schedule it on my cheat day, but then I would just be like 
chowing down like crazy. And it was like, it was hard for people to understand or, or rationalize or watch. But then it got to the point where once I was trying to come out of it because I had had this realization that I was like, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the life I was living. I felt like I was terrified of gaining weight. I was terrified of eating anything. And I knew that wasn't normal, even though at the time I still wouldn't have called it an eating disorder. Cause I was like, I'm eating stuff. I might eat a little bit. I'm just not eating <laughs> a lot, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not completely anorexic. Like I am eating a big breakfast. I am eating a half a chicken breast at night. Um, so I felt like I, I was somehow exempt from that, but I, yeah, I stopped something like switched for me. I decided to end my relationship and end that engagement, which is like a whole other episode. And came out of that and but I but but before I broke up with him I remember there was a moment where I was like in the kitchen and I was trying and I was like you know trying to eat normally again and I I had like a cookie and he was like it's not your cheat day what are you doing and it wasn't it wasn't a comment to make me feel bad it was more of a comment of confusion like hey it's not your cheat day what are you doing like kind of joking and I was that was a moment where I was like I'm fucking damned if I do. Everybody wants me to eat. And then the minute I eat, you like, you're asking me why I'm eating. Like, I can't fucking win. Like, who do you want me to be? And I, so I I broke up with this person and then started seeing somebody else basically right away who was not a good person. He was not a good guy. It was the one relationship. No, I'll, I'll put a pin on that. But he was not a good person. He cheated on me which was another knock to the self-confidence. We were like, had this gym thing. We like worked out together and I just sort of like, like lost who I was. My whole identity as this fitness girl had been eradicated. And so I fell into this like spiral where then I started eating uncontrollably and I decided to start eating everything that I like couldn't have, couldn't have and was like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I couldn't see, I, I really, I couldn't see my body clearly when I was extremely thin and I couldn't see it clearly afterwards. And I started doing, I just switched trainers again. I went to another one who was completely amazing. And if you were considering doing a fitness competition, it's the only person I'd ever recommend I'm going to see. I still don't recommend fitness competitions though, like very explicitly. I don't think they are good for obvious reasons. And I, uh, but I was doing CrossFit workouts and it was a really cool different workout for me because it was like strength based. And he noticed that I was not really sticking to the plan. (laughs) And I had decided I wanted to do the other competition. And he was like, honestly, like, even when you are restricting right now, I feel like your adrenal glands are just so fried from the damage that was previously done. And he attributed it to the, the trainer is not really, you know, no, I hadn't told anybody about obviously what I was eating when I was, when I was on my own, but, or when I was recovering with Jory, but I had, at this point I had gained probably 40 pounds from, from my fitness competition time. And he's like, I honestly think you just need to like, 
just like let your system reset. And I don't think you should do this competition. And it was really hard to hear because I think it was the first time somebody saying like, Hey, I was, I was interpreting it a little bit like, Hey, your body's not good enough for this competition. But I also knew that he cared. He was kind of like a, he, he reminded me of, of a volleyball coach I had had and anybody who does CrossFit knows that there's like an intensity to the workouts where you just would do anything for that coach and you feel, um, if they're really, really good, they'll bring out the best in you and, and get you through that workout. It's like, you'll really do, you're really doing it for them in addition to yourself. Kind of like how I hope to be on the bike for, as a motivator. And I, so I didn't do it. I was working at good life as a, as a, um, salesperson. So I was talking about fitness all the time. I had gained an incredible amount of knowledge from my time in all, with all these different trainers and obviously training for this competition too. And I was deeply unhappy. I'd come home and my mom was like hiding food from me. It was at the point where I would anything I could get my hands on, I would be eating. And it was this like insatiable, like again, punishment of myself where I was people talk about eating your feelings and they make fun of it. And I was, I was so sad and so felt like I didn't know who I was anymore that I boomeranged in the other direction and gained even more weight after that 40 pounds. And I remember stepping on the scale and was like, this has to be wrong. This, I could, there's no way I gained 50 pounds since the competition, like a year prior, a year and a half prior. And it was a really harsh awakening. I felt like I was really unworthy and was, you know, like just, I was not taking care of myself, like emotionally or physically. I wasn't being kind to myself in relationships. I was having a, a summer that I would call this describe as being like a slutty summer and, this is not to slut shame anybody, but I just was like, you know, I don't really care about myself. I don't really care about what I'm doing. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. And what finally got me out of this was I had been accepted to creative communications program, the creative communications program at Red River college and decided to quit good life, which I realized was a really good move in retrospect and hindsight, um, because I needed to be away from the gym and I stopped working out that summer and I stopped talking about fitness and I was doing like, I decided to take a few months off before Creecom started. And I was working for this promotions company that put on DJ shows. They brought in people like Steve Aoki and Mastercraft and global DJs and Lisa lashes and all these different famous DJs. And I saw all the openers do what they were doing and like how the crowd reacted and decided I wanted to try to start doing that. And I rented DJ equipment, decided I was going to teach myself from YouTube videos. I started learning and I got my first gig and like literally never looked back. I, this promotions company I was working for started using me as openers for some of the people I just mentioned, actually all the people I just mentioned I started opening for the people who opened for them, working my way up. And it was the first time that I had in a few years where I had had a hobby. I had a side gig that was not anything to do with my fitness ability or how I looked in a swimsuit. Sure, I was wearing going out clothes and I was wearing dresses and stuff like that. But 
they did not give a fuck about what I, you know, looked like underneath there. If I was, what they cared about was whether I was helping create an, like an amazing experience for people who were on the dance floor, like warming up the crowd so that the opener or the, the, like the headliner could come on and, and come to a warm up, warmed up crowd and have an amazing set. And I got better and better and better. And then I joined Krecom. I I was, I went to you know, join Krecom. I went, started going to Krecom. And it was like, all of a sudden, again, it was a reaffirmation of my self-worth outside of how I looked. Because there's like, anybody who's been to Krecom is like, they don't give a shit. <laughs> like, they will beat it out of you that this is a hard program that you it's like sink or swim you there's something called auto fails it's just like it's it's a really intense program and definitely nobody cared what, what I looked like so it was around that time that I started just feeling better and was starting to eat for what I felt like like when I, when I was hungry and I noticed that I like honestly didn't even notice the weight just started coming off and I was finally at like a place where I was happier and it was crazy to me to think like like th- with the, how the changes my body had gone through in the, in the past years my closet was full of like size zero to size 12 to 14 clothing but it was beautiful it was so beautiful to finally be recognized for my worth outside of how I looked like I wasn't marketing myself as a DJ based on on how I looked like I there obviously people knew that I was oh was a woman based on my name Miss Hightower but it wasn't I wasn't on the posters like you know in my bra or anything like that it just was it was I was getting respect from people for my skill and I was getting respect from people in school for how good I was at what I was doing I mean maybe not at first I was <laughs> I think I was like every other first year and you're kind of shitty and terrible your first year but I, yeah, that's, and like, that's, that was sort of the, the conclusion to a two to three year sort of battle where I boomeranged from one really one crazy extreme to the next, but it's never gone away. And I think this can hopefully be relatable to some people who are listening because eating disorders and disordered eating are very close to one another. They're not too far away from one another on the spectrum. They start, as I was saying before, they start with like how you see yourself and what you see yourself worth to being and how you treat your body is a reflection of how you think you should be treating, how you should, a reflection of how you should be treated. If you're punishing yourself for something, you, and you're, you're probably going to be manifesting that in some way in regards to food, because if you're not just eating for fueling yourself, what are you eating for? Are you eating to make yourself happy? Are you eating because you know that it's going to elicit a reaction from somebody? Are you withholding food because you are deeply depressed and don't know what to do? and you're sensing you're trying to like reach for a sense of control in the world when everything else is spinning out of control. Are you overeating because you are, you hate who you are or you have some sort of other issue? Like these are all symptoms of a greater issue happening. It's not like eating disorders or disordered eating patterns come out of nowhere. 
And I also want to preface all of this. I probably should have said this in the beginning, but I have no belief that your the weight you have on the scale means anything about your health. I believe anybody can be healthy at any size. I have people who I know who are who are way stronger than me and work out differently and they eat differently and their bodies look different than mine. And I know that I am probably because of how I train and and what I do for spin, I have an endurance that's probably way higher than others. And because I'm a little bit lighter now, um, in terms of my weight, like I can probably go faster or for longer than certain people, but I wouldn't put my body up to anybody else's comparing and saying I'm healthier than this person because my I'm lighter or vice versa or finding somebody who's lighter than me and having them say like I'm I'm healthier than Hannah. I to to wrap it up into today and what my perspective is on my body today and I was alluding to this a little bit earlier but it's a never-ending battle. I would say deceive like disordered eating patterns and eating disorders are it's a lifelong thing. And I would compare mine to like an addiction. I would almost say that I'm an addict because I can feel myself slipping sometimes when, when life starts to really rear its head and, and the universe seems to like throw things my way. My first inclination is to the, because of the amount of stress I'm experiencing my body, I start to withhold and sort of constrict. And I don't even notice that I'm doing it. I just lose my appetite completely. It's like my it's like my mind can't fathom putting something in my mouth because my I'm like I'm experiencing so much pain. And so when I went through my breakup list, this that breakup I, I've talked about in the closure episode a year ago, my first inclination was to stop eating. And I, I lost weight. And again, I'm I keep trying to say this and forgetting to say it. I don't weigh myself now. I know that the 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 scale is a trigger for me. Like an addict, I think you you know when certain things are going to negatively impact your mindset and bring in even if you even if you are so solid in how you see yourself and all of your confidence, there's just going to be certain triggers that will not be helpful to your current development. So for me, it's not seeing myself in a bikini. It's not looking in the mirror. I see myself in the mirror all the time because of how often I'm teaching. I, but, but for me standing on a scale and, and looking at that number brings me back to some really dark places where that's that number defined whether I was going to have a good day or not. I'd get on the scale in the morning. And if it was a little bit heavier from the day before, then I would be in a fucking terrible mood the whole day. And that would be the the one thing on my mind when I'd be eating, when I'd be hungry, when I'd be going to the gym would be that number. And so I'm, I'm really, it's, I'm of two minds on metrics. And I like, I know that we at wheelhouse have, have a metric system that allows you to see, you know, your, your, how you placed in class. And I think it's, it's really good for certain people and certain journeys that you're on. If you are trying to become healthier and stronger, I think that's great. I personally know that even seeing that to me is for me, will isn't great for my mental health. And so I don't tend to look at it. I tend to just delete the email. 
I don't look, definitely don't look at what I've got in the class. Cause like you're competing against a new group of people all the time. So it's best to compete with yourself. If you're going to be competing with anybody on how well you did before in terms of like how powerful, but that can also be determined on a bunch of different things. Like just like your weight, how much you actually weigh can fluctuate for so many different reasons. Like right now, TMI maybe, but I have my period. And so I am going to be like, I'm going to be more bloated than I normally would be. And I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. I don't know anything medically about like what happens exactly, but I know that my skin breaks out and I don't feel as energized and my body's just more bloated and it doesn't make me feel good. But I know that stepping out of scale and, and seeing that, even though I know rationally this is happening, it still wouldn't make me feel good. So I don't, I don't use a scale and I would encourage anybody who, who steps on a scale too often. If you're doing this daily, I'm speaking to you fucking throw the thing out. Like, what does it matter? Like truly, what does it matter? Unless you have some sort of medical condition where you need to monitor it for, for some reason, knowing how much you weigh is something you should be doing maybe once a year. Like if you're, if you're experiencing some, again, if you're experiencing something medically and you like, you're maybe pregnant or I honestly don't know what else it could be. If you are coming out of an eating disorder and you're forced to, to out of a treatment program, you know, like re be re- rebuilding and measuring success by, by gaining weight. Great. But I personally do not think that you it's healthy. I don't know. And, and it, it you know, somebody could message me after this and say, it is healthy. Prove me wrong. Because I know for myself, stepping on the scale in the morning was like waiting for, like waiting, like seeing if I was going to be stepping on a mine. I felt like I was like dodging mine, like a, like bombs in a minefield. So there's a few different things that might trigger you into eating patterns. For me, it's times of extreme stress where I tend to lose my appetite and then try and control that part of my life because I feel like everything else is out of control. And I've had a few people intervene over the last few years, which has been, I think both helpful and not where they've noticed me doing this and, and noticed that I, I I wouldn't even say for it's, it's at a point where it's not for like aesthetic reasons, but it's just, it's, it's a symptom for me now of depression more than anything. It's not a symptom of me wanting to get skinny or anything like that, but it's just when I am really, really low mentally, I tend to, um, drop weight and it's been that way for me since I first started experiencing this eating disorder, but it's also something that I think I picked up on from my family, specifically from my mom. I remember when she was taking care of us this one summer, my dad had done a a three month stint in the UK working there like on contract. And while he was gone, my mom was literally like heartbroken, just like being, having this, you know, having him be away. And she, I just remember her not eating a lot. And I remember people commenting, like her friends commenting when we went to, we stayed at one of their places at Victoria beach and somebody commenting on her, her being really, really thin and her wearing a bikini that she hadn't worn really with me ever. And I look back at pictures when we were kids and I noticed that she was, you know, she had 
gained a little bit more weight with my brother than she had with me. And after between us, like she was like ripped again within like very early and she ran like crazy. So she was always working out. I think I picked up on those things and sort of filed them away, filed them away. I think I picked up on them like you would anything else with your parents. And I saw it happen. Like my mom would never eat carbs at dinner. Really. She'd always have salad and she'd always really restrict herself and never was really happy with how she looked. And at one point when I was going through my, my eating disorder, I remember her telling me that she had had bulimia and when she was in high school and coming out of high school, but she didn't say it in a way that was like, I understand what you're going through. It was more like I got out of it and so can you type of thing. And, and when she would say, you know, I was looking skinny or kind of like a skinny mini, she would say, you know, just be careful. And she kind of, I think she just knew, but it's also really, really hard to convince anybody of anything when they have, an addiction or a mental illness. And I think I had a little bit of both without realizing it. In the end, I was diagnosed with anorexia athletica by my physician and by those, the team of people around me that I was talking about because I was over exercising and under eating to a point where I was completely unhealthy and it was unmanageable. And I was not in my right state of mind of, of seeing how skinny I was. And I talked about the focus of control before, but literally within the definition, um, anorexia athletic is a mental illness, which gives those suffering from it a sense of having control over their body. So there it is, folks. <laughs> and so when I was going through my breakup, that's exactly what happened. And coming out of that, I have to be really, I have to practice every single day to be like, you're getting stronger because when I was a year ago leading my rides, I felt like I was going to pass out sometimes afterwards. Now I could teach a double and be perfectly fine because I'm making sure that I'm, I'm eating enough. Another way of moving through this. And I feel like I'm at the point where I'm in this, in this episode where I'm trying to sort of give these tangible things. I think it's probably resonated with a lot of you. And I, there's so many different relation, like people who have different relationships with food, but I just know as we, as women, I, I would assume most of my listeners are women. It tends to be where we, we are the harshest critics to ourselves and loving ourselves is like the hardest thing to do. And it's usually hard because of the obstacles about how we see ourselves, how we see our bodies. And so I'm trying to give some advice and some tangible lessons I've learned out of coming out of what I just talked about, but besides sort of pausing that negative self-talk and getting rid of your scale, um, is monitoring how strong you feel. So as I said, I could do like, I could t- literally teach a double now at this point, if I wanted to, I could probably teach a triple and be fine. A little bit sore the next day, but not on the verge of passing out. I also eat, do intuitive eating. I think any keto bullshit, fasting bullshit, I think it's all bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I don't think you should be doing anything that doesn't feel right. I think that you can have a diet that reflects your values. So there's value-based diets where it's, you know, you're a vegan and you also enjoy the health outcomes. 
I'm going to be starting to see about food intolerances that I might have because of like some gastrointestinal stuff and also my like the breakouts I've been having on my skin I have a sneaking suspicion that I need to stop eating cheese which is so devastating because I love cheese so much (laughs) not something I was eating before for many years but I I so there's diets that are like that that make sense or you have a medical diet but if it's if if you're thinking of dieting and doing something to look a certain way, I just want to tell you that it is going to be so fleeting because if it's not something that's designed, that's, that's going to integrate into your life where you don't have to think about it. If you're spending any of your mental capacity in the day and age that we live in thinking about what you're eating all the time, it is going to suck up anything else that's interesting about you. You're going to be the person who is so focused on that, that you're not focusing on the rest of your life, that you are shutting people out. Like I was, that you are like negative, that you are trying not to be involved in social situations because you don't want to be around the food or you don't have your food options or whatever it is. And so if you have a choice, like there's people who, who are celiac or gluten tolerant, who truly do not have a choice about this. If you have a choice and it's not a values-based diet where you feel like, you know, you're not you're not missing anything because you wouldn't eat it anyways. Just don't do it to yourself. Life is too short. And there's ways of finding balance with food, but it involves changing your mindset and changing your relationship that you have with yourself first. So now when I do when I do intuitive eating, what I do when I'm in eating intuitively, <laughs> fuck, that was hard to say, intuitively, I eat what I feel like eating when I feel like eating it. It's really that simple. I never measure how much meat I'm eating or food. I'm never looking at four ounces because it's the size of your fist, four to five ounces. I could tell you how much, how many calories are in a cup of baby carrots. I could tell you how many calories are in literally anything, half a bowl of oatmeal or half a cup of oatmeal, half a banana. I could tell, I could recite all of those things because they're never going to leave my brain because my brain was focused on food a hundred percent of the time. I'm choosing not to do any of those things very actively and eating what I feel like eating when I feel like eating it. So if there is something in the lunchroom, I'm going to eat it. And I had planning days last week where we were in a room for, you know, eight hours a day and there was donuts everywhere. There was cookies, there was sandwiches that I normally wouldn't eat. And I just, I felt kind of gross at the end of the day, but I didn't linger on it. I wasn't like, oh, Hannah, you had three donuts today. Like, I honestly couldn't even tell you what I probably ate because I'm just trying to eat with that frame of mind where if I'm hungry, I'm going to do it. If I'm not, I won't. I never feel deprived because no foods are out of bounds for me. I'm never saying that food's bad and this food is good. I try not to eat dairy because I just don't think it's like it's worth it to me in terms of the breakouts I seem to be getting. Like, and by, I just talked about cheese by dairy, really just milk. I've, I've brought in milk substitutes because I just feel like it's better for the environment and I don't miss it and it's better for animals. So I drink almond milk, but it's not anything to do with the amount of calories coming into my body or, or calories uh, like that I'm expending through spin. I want to get stronger and I want to be able to do more push-ups and I want to be able to run and have my core stronger so that my back isn't hurting as much. <laughs> Something that happens when you're 30. So those are my fitness goals. And so I'm trying to eat enough and I'm trying to eat 
the right types of foods where at the end of the day, after working in my office for eight hours, I have enough energy to go to my spin class and, and lead a really motivational, emotional, amazing ride and, and do all of the things with energy and unparalleled enthusiasm. And I won't be able to do that if I'm restricting myself or if I'm thinking about food instead of thinking about my class, if I'm thinking about food instead of thinking about my schoolwork, if I'm thinking about food instead of thinking about the dress collective, I'm never going to reach any of my goals because I'm thinking about food. Like, we just don't have time for this. Life is too fucking short. It's way too short to be worrying about how you look in a, in a bikini when you feel amazing the rest of the time, like the rest of your life, the rest of your days. It's too short to be worrying about what people think of you and like not going on the dance floor and dancing because you feel too big or you feel too whatever. Letting go is so freeing and it's the hardest leap to make because you feel like you're going to be losing control of this one thing, but in, in actuality, you're going to re- regain control of your entire life. And so I'm thinking, I'm speaking to people who are definitely in the throes of, of some disordered eating patterns, whether that's overeating, undereating, combination of both, who just think of food as their enemy. And I'm sure there's some of you who, who know what I look like and are like, this probably is fucking easy for you to say, but your metabolism is naturally like this. But like, Again, I've, I've come through this like 12 years ago where I learned a really, really hard lesson and fucked up my metabolism to the point where I had to work hard at just normalizing myself and, and, and resetting it. But I do work out and I do work out because I want to live a long life and because it feels great, but I don't work out because I want my ass to look a certain way or I want my quads to be a certain way or I want my, my core. I just, it's what happens. My body looks like this because of the lifestyle I live. It has nothing to do with anything I'm doing really intentionally. And I am so proud of all the riders I have who are working towards their own goals, who come to rides and feel so empowered afterwards. And I I always have a little bit of a tinge of concern when I I see somebody who's overdoing it because I see that person and I see reflection of who I was 12 years ago spending three hours a day in the gym and, and being a complete completely obsessed with it. The last few things I want to say on this subject are really about how to move forward. Either if you're in this situation right now and you're experiencing a challenging relationship with food, or if you have experienced a relationship with food, that sounds like the one that I'm describing. And it's really about identifying those triggers. So whether you have a friend who's really toxic for your mental health, I talked about relationships that weren't great for mine and manifested themselves with food situations where like, you know, they were making me feel badly about what I was eating and, and how I looked and I'm validated for how I looked, all of those sorts of things. I actually have like the reason I started this episode saying it's a little bit hard to talk about right now because it's an ongoing battle. It's something that I'm dealing with every single day with, with how I feel about myself. And it's not about restricting calories. It's just being overly critical, I think is, is sort of the last, like the final symptom of, for me of my eating disorder is that I, I have to really make sure that I'm constantly looking at myself and evaluating my self-worth with things that are, that go beyond um, my, you know, how I, 
how I look. I'm still a really harsh critic of myself and photos. I'm still harsh with all sorts of things. I'm my own worst enemy, just like anybody else. But I also, I also know when I'm not doing well mentally, it starts to manifest itself in, in how I'm looking at my, how I'm looking at my appearance and how critical, overly critical I'm being. And I actually will flag this to friends of mine. I, my, one of my best friends is, is Gaston and uh, a lot of people know him and he's very incredibly supportive of, of me in every way. And he knows this about me as most people do, but he knows it to a degree where if I'm feeling, um, like if I'm feeling like it's sneaking up on me again, I talked about how eating disorders will really sneak up on you. And I, like, if I feel that coming because of how I'm feeling my life for, for whatever reason, or I'm having a, like a, a darker episode of like mentally, or I'm just in a darker place. And I know that I'm, I'm starting to look at what I'm eating and I'm starting to like really like laser focus in and get out of my intuitive eating habits. I will flag to him. I'm like, I'd prefer that like our activities don't revolve around eating or that if we're making dinner, that it's healthy just to, just so I don't like get into a negative space and I'll flag it saying, you know, I've been really like thinking about what I've been eating the last two days. And so I just wanted to flag this as something because I think it's a symptom of something else going on. And so I just, you know, need your support in that and like not need your support in and not engaging in any negative self-talk as we tend to do around people and tend to bond with each other and being like, Oh, I feel so fat today or sayings like that, that make us, uh, befriend somebody at work who's like, Oh, like, oh, I can't believe I'm eating this donut. I literally shut it down in that moment. I'm like, I don't care that I'm eating this donut. And I'm sure some people were like this, this bitch, this bitch over here. <laughs> like what makes her so confident? But it's because I have, it's a, it's a habit that I have to keep working at. It's not something that's coming easily. Self-love, self-confidence, body confidence, all of those sorts of things. Body positivity isn't something that just happens. We have to change the narrative. We have to shift people from giving us validation on our bodies. We have to stop giving validation to little girls and boys and little people saying, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. You're so handsome. Like we have to start thinking about our self-worth in the framework and the guidelines of being good people who are giving back to this world, good people who are doing amazing things, smart people who are doing amazing things, who make people feel amazing. Like that's how we start, need to start validating ourselves and validating others. My dog's eating his food. <laughs> He's like, I'll validate you. You're a great dog. Well, I'm going to eat my food right now. <laughs> I'm going to close it there. I think that there's a lot more to say on self-love and, and, and body positivity. I'm going to have somebody on to talk about body positivity because it's, it's an area that I'm a little bit less familiar with. And I have to acknowledge my own privilege of, of even what I've been saying as being a person who's been born with a body type that settles into a, a body type that looks like naturally more, um, socially acceptable. But I feel like I have a responsibility to talk about it as somebody who leads people through fitness and exercise. And really you'll never hear me say anything about working for calories, working for your dinner or anything like bullshit like that, because that's not why the fuck we're there to work out. And, and that might be the way that gets you in the door, but I hope 
that's not what makes you stay. I hope that what makes you stay is that you are getting stronger, that you're getting more powerful, that you feel confident, you feel beautiful in whatever body, whatever vessel you are currently occupying, and that you walk out feeling amazing, and that no number on the scale or an email we send you will make you feel anything otherwise. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Please subscribe, rate, review, and send and share. I love seeing when you're sharing these on your Instagram stories. I think this is really the only way that people are hearing about it, which is completely fine with me. As I said, I'm going to be interviewing some guests coming up. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Please follow me at Hannah Rose Spin and uh, take care. The last final words, of course, yes, you can.